Hello, and welcome to yet another special edition of the Media Boat Podcast, where we are wrapping up the end of the year that was 2022. This is part four of our yearly wrap-up show. Today, we'll be talking about movies. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us for this year-end wrap-up special for filmed entertainment. If you've been paying attention to our list so far, you've seen us do music, you've seen us do video games, you've seen us do television. So now, naturally, it's time to round out our four subjects with movies. Um, So this will work just like the other wrap-up shows have worked uh, prior in this year and also in the past. We'll divide it into two halves. The first half, we will be talking about the year that was the biggest news stories in movies. And then at the end of that, once we're done going through the calendar year of 2022, we will determine one story that was bigger than them all uh, that we call the Media Boat Podcast Story of the Year in the realm of movies. Then once we've determined that, we go to the second half of the show where we break out our top five lists of favorite movies of the year each. And then after that, we choose one movie to be the favorite Media Boat Podcast movie of 2022. What will it be? I don't know. Well, we'll uh, find out. We'll definitely find out. First, we gotta get through the year that was. Ooh. So let's jump into our time machine and go back to January of this year. Speaking Ooh. of time machine, I just wanted to bring this up while we were on the subject um what was oh yeah it was jeopardy clue i don't know if you're watching this one did you see that apparently you can rent a replica delorean from back back to the future for two thousand dollars a day did you know that you could buy a lego sized delorean for about a tenth (laughs) of that price well yes but (laughs) as soon as that clue happened i looked i looked at christy and i was like oh man we gotta tell Kristen do that for mike's birthday one year if she can afford (laughs) it just like $2,000 $2,000 one day just for you to drive around and take pictures in a DeLorean. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be Anyways. so great. Anyways, well, keep that in the in the memory, the idea pocket for later. But for now, yes, let's go back in time to January of 2022. Yep. And we start with the first of a continuation story from the previous year, which was films going from theaters to streaming or premiering on streaming or theaters and we had turning red making an a boot turn <laughs> to be exclusively streamed on disney plus later in march oh boy so talk about your stories that haven't aged well mm-hmm. um so turning red uh came out in march was a big hit for disney disney plus i think it was a critical darling as well um in fact i don't know if you noticed this but um in all the four-year consideration ads I've seen Disney uh, put up promoting Turning Red, they're shopping that thing around for Best Picture. Really? Yeah, Best Picture is in big font, and then below that in smaller font is Best Animated Feature. It's like Disney really thinks they have a chance there, which is shocking. I don't know if they actually do, but I was like, all right, sure, shoot your shot, Pixar, why not? Well, you know, between Turning Red, Lightyear, and Strange World. Yeah, which one was the biggest success? And that was where I was going to go with this. Um, 
was it's it's it the story has an age well because think consider the out of the three the most popular and best critically reviewed was the one that was not released to theaters both Lightyear and strange world disappointed in the box office which means was disney potentially like taking too much of a risk with those movies and not enough of a risk with turning red like is this going to like are they going to look at the the like the reception to each of these movies and then make adjustments for 2023 what will bob Iger do now that he's head uh how much of this was a chapic decision a lot Ooh. of questions around turning red but that does bring up a good uh, news story that we will eventually get to is yes. Bob Chapex's uh, decision and eventual ousting. Yeah, definitely was a big story this year. Although one we won't necessarily see the real outcome of until next year. Yes. Speaking of things we won't see the outcome of until next year, uh, Netflix's purchase of the Rolled Dolls a short story collection. Um, yeah. So I don't think we have anything that came out this year for it, right? No, no. So this is a Wes Anderson uh, directed uh, collection of short films. Uh, Yeah, we haven't seen this yet, but it might be all right. Yep. Uh, Let's see here. And then we had, oh yeah, Kendrick Lamar teaming up with the South Park creators for a new Paramount uh, live action comedy for Paramount Pictures. In a weird uh, post-COVID world where Matt Stone and Trey Parker is seem to be all in with Paramount Plus or with Paramount Studios. Um, I mean, we haven't seen anything come out of this yet either, even though Kendrick Lamar had, of course, a big year. He had a big um, uh, album album release. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, We'll we'll see. Uh, Let's see here. We also had... Let's see. Oh, Legendary Pictures um, getting a new investor, um, new Chinese investor in Apollo Global Management, and then subsequently later in the year, getting a new deal out of Warner Brothers, or not out of Warner Brothers, they got out of Warner Brothers distribution. Right. Um I mean, we already kind of, if you've listened to our television uh, segment, you'll know that we already kind of talked about this. But yes, Warner's big shakeup following the Discovery merger did affect their film uh, division as well. This was not the first time in this year that we saw a big uh, Warner affiliate bailing out of Warner this year. Yep. Uh, And then we had, I mean, we'll get there when we get there. (laughs) Yes. Well, we already got there in TV. If you listen to TV, right. but as said. well, yeah. um, let's see here. Where he wrapped up February with um, the Russian invasion in Ukraine, yes. and then Sean Penn going over there uh, to film a documentary about said invasion, as he is wont to do. Uh, the story here points out that he's done this before mm-hmm. um, in other major world events including the Discovery Plus documentary Citizen Pen, which was all about his uh, response, like going to the Haiti earthquake, site of the Haiti earthquakes and his nonprofit organization and all these things that we do, uh, that they do over there. Um, so yeah, not super surprising that that's kind of his bag. That's what he does now. 
Oh, so. remember, he also gave his statue, his Oscar-winning statue, uh, to uh, Zelensky, Zelensky, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the Zelensky. Ukraine, saying, hold on to this, and you'll give it back to me when we win the war. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I guess this is when we remind everyone that, yeah, that war is still happening. Yeah. Almost a year later. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure Sean Penn has still have a lot of footage to cover. And then something we'll see eventually is the Beyblade movie from Jerry Bruckheimer. Do we want to see that, though? Some people still want to see that. <laughs> I don't know how many people, but some people. Uh, let's see here. And then we get into March. And we have the first of many awards for CODA. Has won for Best Outstanding um, Ensemble. And then uh, for its actors, best actor, and then went on to win the uh, Oscar as well. Yep. Congratulations, Apple Original Films. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they had a big year, a big coming out party for Apple TV. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, the the award shows that would snub Netflix were very happy to give it an award statuette over to Apple for some reason. It still baffles me almost a year later. Uh, yeah, and then here's Bob Chapek coming in again with a memo about Florida's Don't Say Gay Bill. Uh, so this was one of the first times in the year that he stepped in it, uh, big mm-hmm. time. And um, you could look at the look at the reaction to this and see like why Disney the board ultimately decided that he had to go. Uh, Chapek basically was um, reacting to the what's colloquially referred to as the "Don't Say Gay" bill, which is basically a bill in Florida that is designed to prevent um, mentioning um, homosexuality, mentioning, teaching, or yeah. even uttering anything related to LGBTQ. Yeah, in schools, basically, yeah, in schools. for children. Um, and yeah, uh, instead of being like, you know, like being uh, like, I guess some people dug up that there were some financial donations that JPEG had made in the company's name for uh, politicians who supported the, this bill. And his statement was not an apology. His statement was more like, well, uh, we ha- we support LGBTQ things in our content. What more do you want from us, <laughs> essentially? And yeah, didn't look good. Everybody made fun of him. And yeah, I do think that had lasting repercussions on his career. And I think it was only one of the many things in this like juice cocktail uh, that caused him to lose his job. There's also the big game of chicken between Bob Chapek and uh, Florida governor of whether or not they would rescind Disney's yes. uh, licensing was it licensing or was it like their own like self-governance on Disney World property? It was the self-governance thing. Uh, we saw kind of the seeds of that last year, uh, but I do believe like it, it came to a head this year. But yeah, basically, uh, Disney doesn't run the show over there anymore, I think, is the how that ultimately shook out. Yeah. Uh, figure things shaking out. DC, DC Films <laughs> in 2023 had yeah. quite a shake up. And things shook out, uh, including some people up at the top, which we'll get to eventually um, later as we talk and go through this. But just the complete mess that is the DCEU getting all their films shaken up, release dates moved around, and nothing really sticking until like a month before. Oh, and by the way, 
we still have yet to see whatever that flash movie is (laughs) (laughs) yeah honestly um warner of course was the bigger story this year but of course dc being a unit of warner was its own little microcosm like you said pretty much everything that they had ready was pushed back everything that they had like in the cooker was like had controversy around it um even the movies they released some movies didn't even get released um and yeah and then it all kind of ended about a month ago when we had the news uh which we'll cover later of course uh which is yeah new leadership came in james gunn is going to take the steering wheel and you know 2023 will hopefully be the the beginning of a new uh dc uh universe uh uh but the question is though how's the rock feeling about black adam these days <laughs> uh, should we ask Henry Cavill the same question? Yeah, did it shake up? <laughs> did, did it really shake up the the DCEU as he said it would? I mean, eventually, yes, but maybe not in the shakeup that he wanted it. Maybe not the one he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. We also had Amazon finally closing its eight point five billion dollar acquisition of MGM, which was yeah. one of our major stories last year when it was announced. It was. Um... Not much to talk about, though, here. Um, they still have yet to announce a new James Bond um, mm-hmm. and James Bond film to go with it. Uh, they have the only time I believe that they came up in this calendar year that I can recall is recently, like a week ago, when we talked about how uh, they were going to potentially pair a video game from Crystal Dynamics with the upcoming Tomb Raider film, not that they own the rights. But that's all I can recall this coming up. I think we'll see maybe more about this next year. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the actual Academy Awards, where there was some controversy as five crafts and three short film categories would not be presented from the live broadcast this year. Yeah. Last year. And we already see... Uh, they already uh, reversed on that. Yeah, reversal year. of that. This year they said they will be filming all... Uh, of the categories i mean the way they did it was interesting they kind of compromised by like still carving out space in the telecast to say who won those categories just not having the speeches not having the the whole like rigmarole to it um overall interesting year uh the oscars like we mentioned coda being the big surprise for best picture but other than that uh no huge shakeups from what we were expecting yeah, nothing really huge. Um, they're the, the actual Academy Awards. Yeah. yeah, your your champion of Jane Campion did win for yes. Best Director. Yes, and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, uh, Power of the Dog kind of slept on. The Netflix effect is still in play. Um, you had the uh, the Troy Kotzer from Coda winning and being the mm-hmm. first, um, not the first, the second. Second. Uh, uh, this was first for lead actor. Correct. That's what it was. Second Academy Award winner, I believe. Uh, deaf actor. Yeah. But the, um, the, the previous one was for supporting, not lead. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, but the major award, uh, major winner was Dune <laughs> for visual effects, score, yeah. cinematography, editing, sound, and production design. Yes. Basically, everything that made it look good, and yet didn't win for best picture. Yeah, but of course, the only thing... But nobody was talking about that, because of course, the only thing anybody could talk about from the Academy Awards was when uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. 
Yeah. yeah, we don't need to dwell on it. It happened. It was controversial. We talked about it. Will Smith had a rocky rest of his year, uh, be kind of because of it going in and out of uh, like people, uh, companies pulling movies from their services. And yeah, who knows what's going to I mean, happen. He with did him. slap him and then he still accepted his award uh, yes. for King Richard. But then, like days later, res- formally resigned from the Academy of Motion Pictures. Yeah. It was a wild event that nobody really expected. And one of those truly shocking things that only can happen on like a live uh, mm-hmm. broadcast. That being said, it did kind of, I think, derail uh, the conversation about the awards that actually happened. And yeah, and it'll be interesting how we look back on that as we go into next year's telecast in March and see whether they make any adjustments. Uh, like I said, uh, when this happened, Wait 10 years and Will Smith will come back to a standing ovation. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, let's see here. In other news outside of the Academy Awards, uh, Bruce Willis announced that he would no longer be acting after he was diagnosed uh, with aphasia, which yeah. is a condition that causes loss of the ability to understand or express speech. Yeah, this was interesting because this actually goes hand in hand with something we covered last year, which was the fact that late in his career, Bruce Willis has made a little micro career out of uh, being in very small films for a uh, very niche audience. And he made a bunch of pay. He made a lot of money from doing that. Uh, Now uh, he's like collaborating with uh, companies that will basically use an AI generation of his image, likeness, and voice mm-hmm. for future projects in lieu of him actually being able to act uh, in person. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of the first actor on the edge of this new technology, which, let's be honest, terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, this also follows what we talked about last year with just a different Bruce Willis film coming out seemingly yes. every month, which the Razzies made an award for last year. Yes. And then immediately rescinded it this year because of this announcement. Right. It makes sense. It's probably not a great look if they had kept doing that. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, then the Academy bans Will Smith for 10 years from all yeah. Academy events. Yeah. Anything else about the Academy Awards this year, then? No, I think we covered most of it. Uh, like I said, it, the conversation was dominated by that and didn't mm-hmm. really, like, uh, dwell on the awards. I think it was uh, also, I think, um, though numbers of the viewing viewers was down and by, like, a significant amount this year, mm-hmm. Uh It'll be interesting again to see what they what changes they make for this year's telecast in lieu of all like in like in regards to all of these things. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. I mean, we definitely have our picks of at least I have my pick of what I think should win, but we'll, we'll get see there. as award. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Let's go to something we actually both watched, uh Turning Red. Yeah. Um, which we kind of brought up uh already. And how the producers, Lindsay Collins and director Domi Shi, after the film was released on Disney+, Plus, were then subsequently promoted into leadership roles within Disney. Yeah, this is really cool. I like when this kind of thing happens, when deserving, talented people get the promotions uh, that they deserve. And that's awesome. 
Yep. I'm excited to see what they do. Especially with Domi Shi being named the VP of Creative and joining kind of the Pixar brain trust of Andrew Stanton, Peter Son, and Dan Scanlon. Yeah, good to see. Uh, and then we have the big fish to fry here. <laughs> with uh, both Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller being arrested for disorderly conduct and harassment, but also with David Zasloff and the DCEU. And how he's going to, uh, over the course of the year, start just taking his axe everywhere to everything. Yeah. As we as we already mentioned, yeah, this will be a recurring story. The Ezra Miller stuff was a whole nother bag of tricks. Uh, I guess they were they they just kept showing up in the news over the course of the year. Uh, just one thing worse than the last. And yeah, we still haven't seen anything about Flash. Uh, anything about what that the, the any changes they're making to that movie? It seems like they still intend on releasing it. It's a miracle that that still exists. Especially in a world where it seemed like DC and Warner Brothers was just shelving a bunch of projects left and right. Yeah. This one didn't get the tax write off. <laughs> yeah. It, of all the projects, uh, this somehow still existing, considering where, like, the year that Ezra Miller and the year plus Ezra Miller has had, I don't understand why that they're still giving them a a movie like a starring role like this maybe they're waiting until everybody forgets i don't know if we're gonna forget them eh, don't think i mean i know we won't <laughs> <laughs> well we recover this stuff but anyway anyways yeah uh and so set off the search for the kevin feige of dc which yes, we have we have it has been announced it so. has happened but we will get to there yes in October. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, but we're still in March. And uh, let's see here. What do we have in March? Nothing really happened in March. We had CinemaCon where it showed a bunch of stuff coming out for later in the year. Uh, as well as AMC designed to upgrade its projectors with yes. Cineonic. Fancy lasers, aka. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is still April. This is not March. You already did yeah. March. Yes, this is April. <laughs> but yeah, uh, pretty much uh, new technology is constantly being introduced in theaters. But yeah, new laser technology. This actually was kind of a follow up to a story we did early last year where you said that, that some sort of company had perfected new laser technology for films. Uh, yes, it was a part of the, uh, what was it? James Cameron's company, Lightstorm? Yes, yes, correct. Or Pixel Works, or one of those, um, with new laser technology for when Avatar was to come out later in the year. And yeah, and hey, Avatar did come out this calendar year. Yes, and it looked pretty, and it's it's already on its way to a billion dollars in 12 days. There you go. Uh, Then we get into May, and we have Lionsgate signing its multi-year deal. Uh, with Peacock for all its releases, and we saw that immediately as Lionsgate features for this year were starting to appear on Peacock with both day and date release. Yeah. And it was very nice. I really <laughs> like that. It uh, would watch films. Just yeah, and an, 
in an age where Warner and Disney are likely to stop doing this altogether, mm-hmm. it's good to see Universal still believing there's a place for it. I mean, after all, they were the ones who started it. Uh, yep, and they're going to be the ones to end it too. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. And then we had um, the Golden Globes with the Hollywood Foreign Press Association putting itself up for on the auction block for buyers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't actually know how this shook out. Uh, I do know that they are planning on doing a televised broadcast of the coming year's Golden Globes again, though. And it does seem like they did some effort to restaff the board with like a multicultural bunch of people to convince people to come back. Uh, but I actually don't know if this actually sold. I believe it did. Did it get sold to the Blackstone group? That, that I mean, everything else doing? was, so probably. Uh, it, uh, news. Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Uh, I'll find it. <laughs> Uh, but we also had, speaking of things being sold, oh, Eldridge Industries, that's what it is. In July, they got sold to Eldridge Industries. Aha. Let's see here. A Cthulhu oh, and then, bought them. Yep. <laughs> and then um, Sir Elton John got his Yellow Brick Road finale on Disney+. Plus. Oh, I forgot that we covered this. $30 million for that. Yeah, so this was back when the deal was made to have it on Disney Plus uh, mm-hmm. simulcast. And yes, you watched it later in the year when it happened. Yeah, I forgot that we covered it. Yes, it looks Good like we have did. notes here. <laughs> Goes to show you. This is why we do this. Yes, because so many notes to cover. Uh, let's see here. Including um, Winnie the Pooh being made into uh, a horror film because it's now public domain. Yeah, uh, the character Winnie the Pooh, uh, yeah, and the stories became public domain. I believe Disney still has rights over specific depictions of Winnie yes. the Pooh. My understanding is if that he's wearing that trademark red shirt, that is a Disney Winnie the Pooh. If he's naked, you're fine. That's well, public no, domain. Red shirt on top only. He can yeah. be and bottomless. So if he's wearing <laughs> a full on getup, you can use that version of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so yeah remember that when you're making your projects but yes uh you can do whatever you want with winnie the pooh as a concept though oh yes i had to uh gladly explain to someone all about winnie the pooh, pooh blood and honey yeah just about a month ago <laughs> uh let's see here what else do we have going on something across the pond uh in the uk with an open letter um, calling for on-screen representation to help fight ageism. Yeah, Uh, you had a lot of uh, British uh, actors uh, sign off on this, uh, including names like Richard E. Grant and David Tennant. Uh, And so, yeah, like basically um, just wanted to show uh, support for how hard it is uh, for old actors to get work it's become more and more difficult i mean it was it was also penned as a rebuke or refute 
to Top Gun Maverick not <laughs> casting some of the original actors. Yes, yes, yeah. Instead of doing basically pairing new act younger actors with the original Tom Cruise character. Uh which yeah, yeah, I get I get this idea. And yeah, anything that gets a more variety of different stories being told on in films is is good. So I love to see it. Uh, let's see here. We also have a bunch of movies coming out next year, <laughs> or at least in the coming years, including um, Todd Phillips' Joker sequel, uh, Joker Ufoli Dundu. Yeah, which we uh, now know that Lady Gaga will be in. Yep. Uh, we have Jordan Peele's next film following that of Nope, which will be uh, a horror pitch titled goat <laughs> he likes those one word of uh, one short word one syllable names that's why he, his first film was get out <laughs> <laughs> i mean after get out <laughs> uh let's see here. and then we also have guy Ritchie going to direct the upcoming live action version of hercules yeah I, sure why not not to confuse with any other version of Hercules that has come out or will be coming out. Yeah, no Kevin Sorbo in this, thank God. Yep. Uh, Justin Lin being hired to uh, direct a live-action version of One Punch Man. Sure. And then uh, first-time director Dougal Wilson going to be helming Paddington 3. Hell yes, give me more Paddington movies. I'm ready. Uh, tentatively called Paddington in Peru, but we'll see what happens when it actually comes out. Yep. Let's see. And then we get to the summer and the dull drums of summer because oh I don't know what I was doing here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the PlayStation Store. In the weird crossover of video game movies, removing access to hundreds of movie titles from Studio Canal. Yeah. Specifically for those in Germany and Austria. This is only loosely a movie story, but it is a movie story in the way that it is a buyer beware about digital uh, storefronts. Just know that whenever you buy something from a digital storefront, that this could happen to you. That at any point, at their will, a company can just be like, eh. We're not selling that stuff anymore. And oh, by the way, your downloads, they're, they they don't exist anymore. They're ours. And then they just disappear. And then one day you can't watch your uh, digital copy of Just Go With It. As I always said, you're, it's only as good as the company will exist. Yeah. Will allow so, it to exist. So I recommend going to uh, the internet and seeing if somebody has the DVD or the Blu-ray of Just Go With It instead of your digital version of Just Go With It. In case you, know, you want to really watch, 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 just go with Taylor it. Soldier Spy. <laughs> I don't know why I was. Just, whenever I think of Sony movies that I don't care about, I think of just go with it. <laughs> anyway. Uh, anyways, um, we also had to deal with China censorship yet again, mm. as it would not screen Top Gun: Maverick, Spider-Man: No Way Home, Lightyear, or Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. For uh, representation. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, that is is the situation here. 
And I think ultimately what we're going to see is I don't believe that these studios feel like it's that much of a fight they want to have anymore. Mm-hmm. I think in the the 2010s, you saw a big, like a big movement with the Marvel stuff, with a lot of the Disney stuff of like, eh, we're going to be careful and kind of tiptoe around these things. I don't think you see as much of it happening in the last three years. And I think that's good news. And yeah, as the story mentions now, basically all the big blockbusters this year uh, were not released in China. I think your exception is Avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Cameron still wants that those bucks from uh, from China, but it seems like everybody else, and I think this is for the best, is not going to be as willing to bow to their requirements. And I think that's going to be the best situation for creatives because ultimately allows them to make the story that they want to tell. Yep, there was definitely a big push in there from like 2013 to yeah. 2019. Yeah. or 2018, like five years there, where, yeah, the big studios were just, like, whatever China wants, whatever's going to get us into China theaters, because they only allow 10 films yeah. out of the year, and you want to be one of those 10. I mean, now, I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes, like, one or two, what kind of it, how it is with the video games. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal when a video game made in the West comes over to China, to the point where, th- just last week, I saw a story about a couple of Blizzard games are making their way over there. Uh, and they're the first games that China has approved in years. So, yeah, who knows? But, yeah, I, I hope that it moves in this direction going forward. Yep, and speaking of a cross between video games and movies, we had Nintendo buying Dynamo Pictures and renaming mm-hmm. it Nintendo Pictures. Yeah, um, this is interesting because it's not what you think. It's not necessarily that they're going to jump in making their own movies quite yet. Mm-hmm. It just means that if they make in-house CG, whether it's for a video game or for a movie down the line or a short film or a TV show, they now have an in-house company that does that because they bought an external company that did that with them. So yeah, it's just further, we see a lot of um, hints in the last five years of Nintendo trying to branch out with the kind of things that they're able to do. And this is just a further example of that. See also them like making more kind of inroads with um, mobile developers and um, that portion of their business, uh, kind of streamlining that as well. They're just trying to do more stuff and use their properties and finally use their world famous properties in the way that they always should have been. And here's the story you were mentioning before about Pixelworks. Yes. And their true cut motion technology, specifically for Avatar. Yeah, we and you've now seen that in motion, in action. Yes. So, yeah. And we'll talk about Avatar a bit later. Oh, no, we will? Yes, yes. we will. Okay. Anyway. Anyways, uh, this is TV. <laughs> Yes, it is. That, I don't know how it ended up, that whole portion ended up here. I don't know. Uh, but there we go. We have <laughs> the, the Tomb Raider uh, film rights on the move from MGM, as, as you mentioned before. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Going to Amazon with its purchase. And then we have Marvel uh, MCU Phase 5 revealed during Comic Con, as well yeah. as two films for Phase 6, and officially calling these three phases the multiverse saga i think this was a big deal uh this is how slow of a movie year this was that this was a big story 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a big story because that fans were kind of anxiously waiting for any sort of news for about six months there. I feel like there was kind of quiet from Disney about what they were going to do with Marvel going forward. And this was kind of laying them all like all the cards on the table. Like, here we go. Here you go. Here's what you wanted. And the fans got what they wanted, which was, oh, we clearly have a goal. We have a new, like, basically huge Avengers, like, duology to look forward to this time. And, like, they now have the signpost. Now it's just a matter of how will the journey to get there be? Well, it's also compounded with people's mixed reviews of what uh, Phase 4 was. Yeah. There was a lot of combination between films and disney plus series and do we need to watch all these series am i going to be missing out what does the roadmap look like and here we have it laid out and it was a combination of movies and disney plus series and it's not necessarily their fault because a lot of that confusion and mix mix mix-ups happened because of the pandemic so Mm -hmm. phase four was kind of affected by rescheduling and movies being pushed back movies showing up on streaming movies not showing up on stream like back and forth as disney kind of figured their way around releasing films in the pandemic um now of course they know people are going to see movies again they can be like okay this is the kind of thing that we wanted to do and now we can commit to it yep and now i'm going to put this up for story of the year okay um, that is Redbox, you know, the DVD <laughs> rental kiosk operator, <laughs> and video streamer, for those of you who don't know, being purchased by <laughs> Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. Uh, I mean, definitely the weirdest story in movies <laughs> this year. I don't know. If definitely it's the, the, the Mad year. Lib story of the year. Yeah. But yeah, definitely um, it, it, um, it was the moment that everybody realized there's a chicken chicken soup with the soul entertainment so that was a fun story to cover and that red box still exists and is still making money you know there is a red box still outside of our local grocery store so people yep. are still attending and going to get things at red box they just don't have video games anymore so i'm not interested i know they once they took out video games it was okay you're just taking up space now bye they were too popular i guess they they worked too well <laughs> Anyway. Uh, anyways, uh, we had Swedish video game company Abracer Group acquiring <laughs> the Middle Earth rights. Why is this in here? I think it's in here because this would potentially affect further movies uh, because they would have to be involved with production of films in that universe now because they own the rights to the IP. Right, including Amazon's Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power series. Right, so they would have had to make some sort of deal with them after that was formed. Because, of course, those were already in the can and about to be released by the time mm-hmm. this deal was made. Um, so they would have had to make some sort of distribution deal like after the fact. Uh, but yeah, Embracer, they embraced it. They embraced the, the, the Hobbits in their warm embrace. Yep, that's that's what it is. It's the motion picture, video game, board game, merchandising, theme park, and state production rights yes. related to Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit Every, franchises. Everything. Embracer owns all of it. Yep. Uh, Cineworld in London. And then Matt Reeves signing a deal with Warner Brothers. One of the actual signings and not cuttings that Warner Brothers did. 
Yeah. With his sixth in Idaho production company. Yeah, Warner. This, of course, was following the Batman release earlier this year. I guess even uh, even under new management, Warner admitted that the Batman was a success. And so, yeah, to my knowledge, the spinoffs and related to that film are still happening. The Batman is still scheduled to get a sequel, as well as the Penguin mm-hmm. uh, spinoff on HBO Max with Colin Farrell. Yeah, somehow. Still still a thing. Still an actor. Has not been canceled yet. <laughs> Believe it or not. Uh, yep, and then... Uh, yeah, just DC continuing to be shaken up, yep. even as we get closer to other release dates. <laughs> Ah, yes. And then the revival of Movie Pass in one of the longest stories I was trying to follow. Well, or was it? Because I think this kind of, they said that this was going to start being a thing again. I don't know if anybody actually did this. I don't know if people who were on the wait list actually were able to sign up for anything. Apparently it's only available in middle America and not on the like the big cities. That must be the case, yeah. I because mean, I'm still waiting for it to, like... Yeah. Get, get into my emails and be like, hey, you can sign up now. Yeah, so a limited uh, limited re-release is, I guess, what we could call it. Yes. And let's see here. Then we get to September. And we had, oh, yes, the Venice Film Festival and the Don't Worry Darling uh, <laughs> spit scandal. I mean, it wasn't this, this was only a part of the larger conversation about how much of a conversation there was about Don't Worry Darling. It became part of a big year for Harry Styles. I mean, really, it's like Harry Styles was in the movie. He was also supposedly dating Olivia Wilde, the director. And all of that became controversy around the film itself, which ultimately led to middling reviews. I think it did average uh, when it was actually released wide. Um, but yeah, the spit thing was just another hilarious footnote in a weird, weird, weird vibe around that movie. And then we had a D23 news where they had announcements for um, Rachel Ziegler as Snow White, a Lion King prequel called Mufasa coming out in 2024, uh, Little Mermaid with Halle Bailey. Yep. First footage was shown at D23, Pixar's next uh, project being Elemental coming next year, uh, as well as what was the big thing? That was the big thing, right? Yeah, you you got the big things. Of course, all this is uh, leading up to um, the studio's 100th anniversary next year. That's what it was. Yes, the and also yeah, a new animated film called Wish. Mm-hmm. Starring Ariana DeBose for the 100th anniversary. Let's see here. And then on the Marvel side, uh, Matt Shackman of WandaVision confirmed to be directing the upcoming Fantastic Four film. Mm. Um, There was also footage shown for the upcoming The Marvels, which we still don't really have a trailer for yet. Uh, Even though that's coming real quickly after Ant-Man. And then... Oh, yeah. John Watts left that uh, Fantastic Four film project Mm -hmm. in order to work on Star Wars Skeleton Crew uh, over on 
Lucasfilm. Let's see here. And I think those were the big announcements. Yeah. I mean, not a whole lot of uh, new information, really. Uh, yeah, well, because a lot of it came out during Comic-Con, which came yeah. back. Uh, let's see here. And then we also have a Sony being developing a Sublime biopic, <laughs> sure. as well as announcing a new Karate Kid movie for 2024. Let's see. Um, we have Illumination partnering with Moonlight to uh, basically uh, do animated Lightly, films yeah. that are not just for families. Uh, is the is the pitch here? Right, because uh, he worked on uh, Midnight Gospel. Uh, into the Spider-Verse, Mitchell's versus the Machines, Gravity Falls. Yeah, it, it's an interesting yeah. uh, an interesting way to go. I feel like it's actually really cool uh, to really take advantage of how many audiences animation can touch. It's so flexible. You don't have to just do kids' movies with it. And it'll be interesting to see a brand uh, developed with the purpose, with this as its purpose. I think that's a really neat idea. Uh, and oh, here's the future tech story that you're talking about with Bruce yes. Willis. Yes, this is this is what I was talking about earlier. Yep. And then we had oh the settlement from the Rust shooting from last year happening yes. on the one year uh, anniversary or uh, one year anniversary. Yeah, more yeah, or less. Yeah. So yeah, this was a nice little wrap up of last year. What I believe was was that our story of the year last year. I don't remember. Is either that no, it was the Warner Brothers purchase, but we didn't know what was like Yeah. Gonna come from it. Tricky. But yeah, uh this was kind of uh the end of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh it will uh lead to a settlement with the estate of the late cinematographer, which is good. Yep. And then one of the big news that came out in October of the WGA Writers Guild. Uh, winning arbitration ruling case uh, against self-dealings with Netflix in that more than 100 writers for over 100 theatrical films would be uh, revert, rights would be revert back to the writers to shop to other customers or yeah. other production companies. Yeah, this is a big change and a good reversal of what used to be the case, which is that they could just keep your script in development hell forever um, and not act on it. So this allows writers to be like, actually, I'm going to go shop this around and give it to somebody who's actually going to make it. Yeah, you bought this uh, 10 years ago or six years ago, and there's Sound. no production on it. There's no one attached to it. You've just been sitting on it, saying you're working on it, and uh, we need to get this. I'd like to get this made. I wrote yeah. it. I want to see it like actual uh, script to screen. Yeah, should be. Uh, a good change moving forward for writers. Uh, let's see here. And then we have, there's the big story. Mm-hmm. The exodus of Walter Hamada after yep. 15 years with DC Films. Yep. Kind of the, uh, one of the last straws, I think, that finally broke that camel's back, which is just like, all right, 
even the guy was who was in charge basically couldn't pull the reins in and decided to bail. Yep. Uh, this, of course, was followed or was the culmination of others executives who were let go, including Motion Pictures Group Chairman Toby Emmerich, President of Production and Development Courtney Valenti, uh, Motion Pictures COO Carolyn Blackwood, and Animation Group uh, VP Allison Abbott. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, even though like DC uh, currently rebranded DC Films, DCEU, uh, made billions of dollars, yeah. even with like the Joker winning Oscars, not enough to keep his job. <laughs> Turns out. Yep. And shortly after, like a week later, we found out who his replacement was and the replacement of the name as well, because no longer was it DC Films, but rather DC Studios. I mean, to Marvel Studios. Yeah, makes sense. And, and yeah, yeah, getting the keys. None other than former Marvel director himself. <laughs> uh, well, former and current. Yeah, because he does have a film coming out next year. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is neat uh, in a lot of ways. I think that um, most fans of recent superhero movies trust James Gunn's instincts. The Guardians movies are well regarded. Um He's also somebody who seems passionate about the kinds of things that he does. And he's someone who is, says he's passionate about comic books and adapting them to the screen. So it's a good get. It's probably the only good thing I think that Zaslav has done um, since uh, since he came in and started running the show over there. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we haven't necessarily seen the results of this. He's kind of more or less said what he intends on doing going forward, but we haven't actually seen major sea changes uh, quite yet. We'll probably see that next year. They already have a slate of films that are already expected for the beginning of next year. So once we get beyond that, maybe we'll learn more. Uh, But yeah, uh, having somebody who people largely trust uh, run the show over there will hopefully lead to a better vibe because 2022 was a disaster year for them. Well, he's also not running the ship alone. It's James Gunn's mm. with uh, going to be doing with his producing partner Peter yeah. Safran. Yeah. Uh, yep. As the co-CEOs of DC Studios, he's already worked with uh, DC and Warner Brothers um, with Suicide Squad. Sorry, the Suicide Squad. <laughs> yes. As me. well as uh, Peacemaker uh, for HBO Max, which both had. Uh, touchings of the DCEU so we'll see if either things continue to have the, that touching or if they'll be uh, completely separate going forward under the new banner. We'll see. But yeah, we will see. Uh, and then subsequently from it uh, as we mentioned earlier uh, the letting go of uh, the Rock from Black Adam, being they're not going to move forward with the sequel, yeah. as well as Henry Cavill not coming back as uh, Superman. Yeah. So yeah, the writing is on the wall. It's going to be different from now on, but how different it will be and how successful it will be uh, remains to be seen. Also, how they're going to cast um, 
all everyone new again. Where are they going to go? Yeah. Start them young. Let's see here. And then we had roll into November here. And we have the MGM, talked about the MGM clip locator, as well as Toho celebrating Godzilla Day with a new Toho Godzilla film coming out next year. Uh, Gears of War film being announced as well. And Snoop Dogg making a biopic? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, biopic of Snoop Dogg is expected sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be good. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Oh, yeah. Don't feel sad for Walter Mata because he signed with Paramount Pictures yeah. like a week later. And Did then you run their horror movies. Yep. Yeah. And then there's the big story from Disney for this year, which yes. is after, or, sorry, less than a year into retirement, Bob Iger is back as. Bob Chapek is out. Yeah. Um, uh, it's tough uh, because, yeah, we don't know a whole lot of behind the scenes dealings which led to this, but we do know a lot of in front of the scene dealings, like I said, like what I mentioned earlier with the Don't Say Gay, with the confusion about uh, back and forth what was released in theaters, what was released in streaming, uh, numbers coming out about Disney Plus doing less successfully than they thought it would would or it budgeted the stuff with the parks of course with the state of florida as well as some uh disney accounting and moving of money of what's considered a disney plus show what's considered a a disney channel production show yeah i think overall and i mean one of Iger's first moves was to re-align the executive uh, structure uh which is makes me think that that was the biggest problem that the board had which was that Chapek's idea of let's put all our eggs in the streaming basket ultimately did not pan out. And it led a lot of the other parts of Disney's business to deteriorate, like the parks. I think the fans of the parks are probably the most excited about this change because Iger knows how to run those things. He did for a very long time. And the parks under Chapek were just a disaster with the, uh, basically dismantling of both the annual pass program and the fast pass program and completely rebuilding how it works to go to the parks and fans hated it. So I think we're going to see a reversion, I think of sorts uh, to all of those changes that he made. Um, I wouldn't say it's the biggest story of the year. I think I maybe know uh, what maybe what I'm going to say is the biggest story of the year, but I do think that it was a recurring story of just, wow, what is happening with Disney behind the scenes? Something must be going on. And ultimately we find out, yes, yes, something was happening behind the scenes. And that's why Iger's back up top. Yep. And just to wrap up uh, the new sections here, uh, Legendary Entertainment, as we mentioned, made the streaming deal with Peacock, but signed a partnership with Sony Pictures for distribution. And then... Brad Pitt selling his majority stake in Plan B, his production company, uh, to MediaWand, a Paris-based company. Yep. Uh, and then, yep. yep, it's award yep. season, or early award season. Yeah, and that more or less brings us to, to now. <laughs> yeah, so we need to pick a story. Uh, so, here's my pitch. 
I think this will be easy to uh to 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 decide. I know we did the larger Warner stuff in television. Mm-hmm. But my pitch is it's got to be DC. It has to be DC. I think it's the story because if you just look calendar year, it affected almost every month. There was some sort of story. It was Zaslav's cuts in regarding to the Batgirl film. It was uh, Ezra Miller in regards to whatever he's fighting with. They, they, yeah, whatever their deal is, uh, constantly coming up in the news. Then Black Adam and The Rock basically warring with the studio about whether or not it was a success or not. Failing from together. Yep. All of the movies being pushed back. Uh, Hamada quitting the looking for a new leader and finally leading to hiring James Gunn and trying to hit reset. All of that Cavill, happened in also Henry Cavill appearing Henry Cavill. in a post credit scene of Black Adam <laughs> coming out in October saying I'm back as Superman, yeah, only for a month later to say I'm out as Superman. It's just it's one of those roller coasters that, yeah, like all of that happened in one calendar year is, is wild to think about. And yeah, I think it's going to set up and hopefully for them to rethink and press reset on all of this to figure out how they can even compete with Marvel. They tried so hard. You know my tinfoil hat theory, right? I went over it. Yeah. It's a coming. I don't think it's going to happen. Versus Marvel, it's a coming. I don't think it's going to happen because I think the way that Zaslav is going to run Warner going forward is cutthroat. And I don't think Cutthroat does business with Cutthroat, is what I'm saying. I think there's no way that they make any sort of deal with Disney to use Disney characters. Do they go to Sony and try to use, like, Spider-Man and Venom? Maybe. That's more likely. But I don't think they're touching Disney with the 10-foot pole. Oh, I think they will, because Marvel do it because they get all the merchandising out of it. That's what these are, just merchandising vehicles. I'll take the loss on it. They'll say, like, we'll work together on it, but you got to follow our script and we're going to put it together. It'll be the biggest event in cinematic history since (laughs) Avatar 4 by the time it comes out. I really hope that that doesn't happen, is what I'll say. And I have no doubt, I have no like hope that it will. Um, But yeah. Maybe we'll keep doing this by the time it comes out. (laughs) The DC. uh, cinematic universe uh, implosion, I think, is our story of the year. Uh, yes, DC Studios. Yeah, you are uh, the uh, story of the year for film. I think easily, easily, easily. because it, honestly, it was a slow year. Well, outside of the um, Will Smith slap, which dominated the first half of the year, right? I mean, it was gone pretty much by summer. I mean, yeah. I mean, if anything, though, that we learned besides that, I think the other there's not really one story to pinpoint here, but I feel like the trend was is that 2022 was the year that proved hey, people are starting going back to movies again. I think it finally happened. You saw the numbers slowly raise as we went on. More blockbusters are putting people in seats. And it finally happened in the way that I think everybody was hoping would happen last year. And now it's here. Uh, as uh, as our friend uh, uh, at the AMC theaters loves to tell us, uh, this is where the magic happens. Heartbreak and feels good in a place like this. Yeah, it's a communal, community experience. And <laughs> as such, we 
Yes. Now need to come together as a community to pick <laughs> a media boat film of the year. Yes, we need to commune and talk about our favorite movies of the year, though, before we do that. Uh, so I forget who went last time first. Uh, let's see here. So I went first for albums. Okay. And you went first for video games. So that means that you went first for television. Yes. So I guess that means that it's that it's me then for movies, which is good because I know you've got the heavy hitters. Um, my list, as usual, is limited to the ones I actually saw. And that's not a whole lot of movies because uh, I'm still kind of not going to movies all the time. Now, now, combined, we saw and reviewed and talked about a total of 52 films over the course of the year. Yeah, so we hit our goal of averaging one film a week. That is true. You're not wrong. And um, of those, you did watch and talk about some films. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I uh, have at least five of them, which works because I only needed five for a list. So I made a list of five. Um, and I'm going to start at the very bottom because where else would you start? And I'm going to start at number five. With, I have to make a call right now because I have some uh, one on the bubble, but nah, I'm going to go with my gut here. I'm going to go with number five, the Bob's Burgers movie. At five? This was your, like, number one for a while. It's your top, like, three. Uh, you know what? Turns out that there are better movies this year. Uh, <laughs> but I was very excited to see Bob's Burgers uh, as a fan of the show uh, since it started. And yeah, the movie did not disappoint. It was exactly what I wanted a film version of Bob's Burgers to be. Uh, the stakes, slightly higher than the usual episode. The musical numbers, slightly longer. Uh, the like the look of it, I mean, you don't get that many hand-drawn animated films anymore. And when you do get one, it has to look good. This looked pretty good, especially blown up on a big screen. I was surprised. Um, and yeah, it was a good time. Of course... The big caveat here is that the Bob's Burgers sensibility isn't for everybody. I think that there's going to, if you already are going in, not getting the television show or not really understanding why it's funny, just don't bother with the film. It's so close to the show that you're going to completely like not get it for the same reasons that you don't like the show. It's not going to convert anybody. It's not going to bring any newcomers to the franchise. That being said, as a movie version of Bob's Burgers, I like it better than the Simpsons movie. I think it's a more successful interpretation of a television show into a film than that was. Uh, of course, that was 15 years ago now, uh, which is weird to think about. Uh, but yeah, I think this was largely a better version of that same idea. Uh, so yeah, it was great to see uh, love the lovable characters of that of that show be uh, in um, in the big screen like that. And yeah, I had a really great time with it. It's funny. Yeah, it's a uh, lucky rubber ducky. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, my number four is one I did not anticipate uh, liking as much as I did. This was probably the biggest surprise for me of the year, uh, which was weird. The Al Yankovic story. This was not a theatrical release. This was a Roku television uh, production. Um, but it let's be real. It's still a movie. And I still think still counts here. And my biggest takeaway, and I think why this is on this list, 
they just don't make movies like this anymore. Period. Like, Weird Al co-wrote this, and you can tell it's the kind of movie he used to make with, like, UHF. Um, it's a spiritual sequel, I feel, in a lot of ways to that film, uh, even though that film's 30-something years old at this point. Um, <laughs> it feels like for, it's from that era, though. Uh, like, kind of like a Zucker Brothers, like, airplane-style hot hot shots kind of vibe to it a comedy that takes itself just seriously enough that you know it's a satire loosely based on weird al's actual life and career my microphone just fell over very Uh, very loosely (laughs) yes very well it starts out pretty close and then as the film goes on they take more and more liberties with it and the lengths that they go and the just how broad it ends up is enough of my rec- like is the one thing I will recommend uh, people see it for because you just need if you think you know where this goes you don't you don't know where it goes in every corner of this movie it does something unexpected all I have to say is Madonna and what they do with <laughs> Madonna in this film is just amazing and I don't know how they got away with it and I don't know how this was released there's a lot of questions about it, but man, the fact that they got away with it and did it, and this is a film that you can watch, is an accomplishment. And kudos uh, to Weird Al and everybody else who made this happen. And man, performance of the year, maybe, for Daniel Radcliffe? <laughs> wow! I, just unbelievable uh, work that he does in this thing. Is he convincing as Weird Al? I don't know. But is he supposed to be? I'm not sure. The movie is so weird i mean it's in the name you know what you're getting into but i had a really good time with it it's just a -a one-of-a-kind thing uh then my top three was really really hard to determine because all three of these i feel very strongly about and i had to rank them somehow so i did uh but they're all number one in my heart and number three uh just because it had to be uh is turning red so we talked a little bit, bit about it earlier. Um, relegated to Disney Plus streaming, though arguably it was the best animated thing that Disney mm-hmm. put out all year. I actually don't even think that's arguably. I think that's pretty definitive uh, with how it reviewed. Turning Red is great. It's definitely top form Pixar after a couple of years of, eh, uh, we're back to the good stuff, which is good to see from them. I feel like it's a very hard You're just comparing film. that from Luca, which came right before yeah. it. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of Luca. This or is Soul. better. Yeah, uh, Soul I liked better than Luca. I like Soul a lot, but I don't. I, but I still think it had issues. I didn't have any issues with Turning Red. Mm-hmm. I think it's well done family story, cultural storytelling. I feel like it did a really good job with kind of what is now kind of getting tired, which is the parents apologizing for things that their kids point out to them kind of vibe. But I think to to visualize it with the red panda transformation makes it such of a different thing than movies that have animated movies that have tried the same tact in the past. The reason why this works in say uh, onward didn't is that you have a more kinetic, more action packed script. A lot of things are happening. A lot of visual things are happening. A lot of really great set pieces, a lot of memorable characters and Finally, Pixar took a, took a page from the Sony animation uh, playbook and is being really creative with their animation styles here. 
You saw a lot of playing with effects here that Pixar hasn't done before. Trying finally bringing in some style and some long needed fresh air, I think, to Pixar's stuff. So yeah, one of their best in years. I think it's just as fun to watch as it is to consider the themes of, which is a balancing act that Pixar used to be great at and maybe dropped the ball a few times on. Now this is finally them getting back to that balance, and I think they nailed it here. Uh, I really, really like Turning Red. But not as much as the next two. Uh... Yeah, I think it's the top two. So number two, this is where I have Glass Onion. Um, Didn't quite make number one for me, but man, what a good time in the movies uh, we had watching this. Of course, it had to be great considering how, how well we made, how well we liked Knives Out. Ryan Johnson did it again. I see a little bit of an internet backlash. I'm glad we're recording this now because mm-hmm. it just went live on Netflix on Friday and you see the internet kind of get a hold of it now. Initially, I saw it was well-liked and then now the couple days after you have all the people saying, well, is it as good as people say? I don't know. I saw the mystery. Like, I figured it out. I'm like, no, you absolutely didn't. <laughs> the great part about why Glass Onion works is because Ryan Johnson could have set it up just like Knives Out, but he didn't. He wanted to make it more complicated. He wanted to add more layers to it. He wanted to make it so you the thing that you think seems obvious isn't even the thing. The murder isn't even the murder. Like, the fact that I can say that, like, it's a little bit of a spoiler. But, but yeah, like, it, it makes it such a fun movie to watch because you're constantly double thinking and retracing your steps about where this mystery is going. The performances are great. Everybody in this, in the ensemble, is fantastic here. Uh, Dave Batista, man, he's just becoming such a great actor. Like, who knew, right? Who could have <laughs> seen that coming 10 years ago? Uh, just incredible performance. But Janelle Monet, above all, though, makes this movie what it is. Her performance is perfect. She is just has to get that actor nomination, right? Like, this, this has to be an Academy Award waiting for her because this is just incredible, incredible all the way through. And of course, Daniel Craig doing that great character we love so much, uh, just even more charming somehow than the first film. I don't know how they manage that. Um, as a thing, I think it's hard to, you're going to just have, because it's the second in the, in the series, you are going to have some people who are like, eh, it was more interesting and more novel the first time. Yeah, of course it was. Uh, but as a second version of this same idea, I think it works in all the ways that it had to. And I think it's very impressive, very funny, very prescient with the social commentary it makes about the billionaire class. I think it's very, uh, it has a special meaning, especially in 2022. And yeah, um, I think it worked in just the ways that it needed to. And I think it was just such a good time at the movies. So I mean, yeah. Ryan Johnson's not done with it. He's no. uh, contracted for another film like it for netflix and i said it just as we said after we talked about knives out on this podcast and gave it our movie of the year a couple years ago which is i just hope that somebody keeps giving him money so he can just keep making these (laughs) just keep making them and netflix did that yeah netflix finally did that so that's what good to see so yeah glass onion man just good time but top of the heap number one had to be for me marcel the shell with shoes on uh i didn't know uh, but they were even making a movie out of this until all of a sudden it was happening. And 
I loved those original shorts on YouTube. They're just very, very cute. And I knew that they were funny. Like I knew that it was going to be funny and I knew it was going to have kind of the same, some of the same bits from those films. But what I didn't anticipate was for this film to be uh, a 90 minute, like think piece about death, like, and like really make you think about like family members and like your closeness with your family and like, what would happen if you have to deal with a a, a family member's like a, like sudden sudden departure, like and how that affects your relationship with both people you're around with people on the internet? Like this movie is about relationships just as much as it is about watching the fun adventures of a little shell. It was so much more than what I thought it was going to be. It just blew me away, and I just have been thinking about it since I saw it. It's one of those movies that I'm probably going to immediately buy once it's on Blu-ray. I've been watching and it's still not. I'm like, come on, get the Blu-ray re- release out here. I want to I want to spend money on it uh, because it just affected me that much. It's just, and, just, and yeah, and just how impressive the cinematography is, which is a weird thing to say about a movie like this. But you have to consider everything had to be shot down here. Like everything had to be shot for... The shell was the focal point here. There's an actor involved, but you never really see him. He's not the point. The point is, is you're following this shell at his level. And the way that they do that, he is in a car at one point. Like there's outdoor stuff. There's indoor stuff. Like they do so much with this movie that you don't think about would have been hard to do, but it absolutely was hard to do. And I just, yeah, I just was just in awe of everything, how they made it and everything that went into the script and everything that like, just man, just there wasn't a funnier movie there this year. There wasn't a more heartfelt movie this year. It just did all the things that I want a movie to do. And it instantly became one of my favorite movies that I've probably seen. A shell with a googly eye on it. Turns out it can really tug your heartstrings. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I really, really liked it. It's my number one movie this year. Well, uh, unlike the previous uh, reviews that we've done, we actually have a lot more crossover here. Hey, <laughs> it's a miracle. Yay. So uh, we'll start then with my number five and basically just jump off from where you left off with <laughs> Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Too low, my number too five. low. Too low. Oh, I had better. <laughs> I saw better. Or at least mm. what I saw, I liked better. But yeah, Marcel the Shell was one of the few ones that I went and saw with my doctor in a the theater. It's one of the ones that we actually both agreed on liking. One of them that both made us cry, <laughs> laugh, enjoy it. Didn't know what we were actually getting into. Just that, hey, Matt liked it. He said we should go see it. <laughs> so we went. And both came out on the other side, just gleeing, like, happily. Also Leslie Stahl. <laughs> yes, also Leslie Stahl. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, the just, stuff about 60 Minutes was just so funny and precious. Yes. It's just everything around it, like, especially the way it was shot. It was shot documentary style, but, like you said, at the level of Marcel, just Everything low angle, everything, uh, just the, the animation was not exactly quite that perfect, but done on purpose to be imperfect, just to give it that more real feel. It's 
Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. It's a lovely film. Mm-hmm. Definitely go see it. Or, you know, wait for it on Blu-ray, whenever that is. <laughs> uh, and that brings me to my number four film, though. Uh, Turning Red, for pretty much everything you said. Yeah. And more. Like you said, they took, they saw what they did with Spider-Man No Way Home. They took the chances. Not No Way Home. It, yeah. No. Across a Spider-Verse. No, that's the new one. Enter the Spider-Verse. Enter the Spider-Verse. There yeah. you go. You got there. And I Mitchell's versus the Machines. Don't forget the Mitchell's, Mitchell's versus yeah. the Machines. It also was an influence on this, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Taking from not just like uh, their own lifestyles, Domi Shi hmm. as the director, but also in like this new combination of both Western and Eastern animation. A lot of anime inspired shots, lots of anime and uh, inspired uh, reactions. Just yes. the over-exaggeration of reactions. Yeah. It's so heartfelt. And n- not to uh, discredit the fact that it was set in specifically 2002. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, such an interesting time. And in Canada, they use the Canada backdrop on purpose as well. It's yeah. a really, really fun movie. It's got the whole metaphor of both um puberty and turning red as well as physical metaphor turning red coming into uh blossom to your own person yeah and then as you've mentioned generational drama and trauma and coming to a forefront uh especially towards the end there mm-hmm. i loved the transformation sequences and i loved how it ended i loved it so much that i watched it about like five times that for those first couple <laughs> of weeks yeah. As well as watched the uh, audio commentary with it as well. Yeah, I'm thinking it might be time to watch this again. Do with the audio commentary. Get, I might do get that. the director's point of view in there. Yeah, I might do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So now I'll go to my number three film. And the one film you don't have on your list. Well, one yeah. Because uh, you didn't see it, but... Let me tell you, everyone and their father went to go see it. <laughs> it was probably one of the biggest films that came out this year, especially in terms of box office numbers. Uh, and that is Top Gun colon Maverick. Uh, I did not expect this to be on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were talking about films last year going into this year. Yeah, we knew that it was coming out, especially it was supposed to, it was supposed to come out in 2020. But they got moved back to 2021. And then moved back again because Tom Cruise wanted to be in theaters. Yeah. So for a lot of people, watching Top Gun Maverick was their first return experience back into a theater, which is one why it made all that money. But two, it's still a good movie in its own <laughs> right. A lot of great action sequences, a lot of putting cameras on those planes going at high speeds, uh, reading different articles about it, how they shot like 600 hours of footage just flying around to get it down into the two-hour film that it is. Uh, the fact that you can have it create a film about an enemy that you don't talk about the whole time, <laughs> it's just, they're the enemy, we have to get this done, and still have the intensity and the expectations from that original film of Top Gun. 
being made even more relevant now, 30 years later. Where are we? 30 years later? 25 yeah. years later? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. 30. 30 35? <laughs> no, not that but, old. <laughs> no, it is. Because I was like 85. So 35 years. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. And like, just like the reasoning of why you bring back Maverick, even though he's super old, why you bring back certain people from that original film. Oh, and Lady Gaga score. Give her that Oscar. Well, I don't know, maybe not yet, but original. Yeah, that original song. Well, she did make the shortlist, so it could happen. Yeah, she did make that original song, or yeah, she made the shortlist. But yeah, um, I really liked everything about this film. It is just action packed, edge of your seat. Especially seeing it in an IMAX film. Especially seeing it in like the DX, the two hundred seventy degree wide mm-hmm. film. It's like yeah. It's so much so that like I was like, yeah, I'll see this thing again in a theater just for that experience. And it's what a good movie does. If it makes you, as I said, as I always say, if it makes you want to see it again, <laughs> it's gonna, it's a great movie. It does exactly yeah. what it wants it to do. Yeah. Speaking of things that you want to see again, okay. And speaking of things that make you want to see it twice. This is where Glass Onion comes in as my number two film. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, hmm. I mean, it's your number just... two. It's your number two film as well. Yeah. And yeah, we have like we both saw this in theaters. I think we had more reaction than the people who we saw it with. <laughs> uh, that being, of course, on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but. When it came out on Netflix, I immediately put it back on, and then I watched it again because it's just that good. The writing, the costumes, the directing, all the different layers of each shot, the way it's <laughs> composed, the way it moves around, the way the camera moves through people, the the continuing conversations. Yep. Turns out Ryan Johnson is a good-ass director, and he proves that every single time. Yes. So everyone commenting on The Last Jet, I go rewatch it. It's a good movie. <laughs> Yeah, it turns out. Uh, but yeah, Ryan Johnson knows how to direct a film. I can't wait for the third one. And like you said, when Knives Out came out, we crowned it um, our film of the year alongside Endgame. Uh, and yeah, Glass Onion does not disappoint. Murder okay. mystery, even when it does the reveal of the murder mystery halfway through, you're like, well, now I gotta watch this in a whole new lens. <laughs> and it just continues to be Good, extremely well done, extremely well executed. Bravo. Yeah. But not my number one film. This one, well, you know what it is. I don't know, do I? You do. Because the film that, as soon as I got out of the theater, I immediately called you and texted you saying, you have to go see this (laughs) film. And I crowned it way back in March that this would be my film of the year. And then I disappointed you. And then you disagreed with me, <laughs> disappointed, and walked out of the theater for it. I had to go to the bathroom. I came back. Okay, you walked out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all I could talk about for the first half of the year, and same with the critics, all they could ever talk about and currently award is everything, everywhere, all yeah. at once. It doesn't do anything too fancy. It takes the rudimental, fundamental, and 
editing and, and shooting and cinematography and probably its most basic concepts, but executes it so well and so flawlessly that it brings you along for this ride, that by the time you get to the end, you're not wondering how was this possible. You're more excited in how do they come up with this and how do they get this done? It is a concept that takes it from little ripples, just little seeds pointed here and there that you think maybe one-offs or gags or just, hey, like, wouldn't this be hilarious? But by the end, it all culminates. You got horror, you got mystery, you got, mis- uh, you got uh, sadness, happiness, joy, Dubaku. Uh, <laughs> even when it does a, a fake-out ending in the middle of it, it is so well done and so well wrapped up, and Michelle Yeoh deserves everything, like all the acting for this, the writing for this is just everywhere. It is beautiful. Um, it's near damn perfect. I can't sing these praises enough. Like I said, like as soon as I walked out of that theater, I just immediately texted you, like you got to see this film. And rarely do I do that. I usually save all everything for the podcast, but I can't sing enough praises about everything everywhere all at once. It's already been racking up awards in writing, it's and uh, acting and directing. I just hope the momentum carries out for the Oscars and <laughs> gives A24 more legitimacy than it already has. I mean, here's the thing is everything you said, I agree with. Like everything you have to say about this movie is quite an achievement. The performances are great. The ideas are super out there. And the fact that they did it, the fact that they got it done and it went out and it was as successful as it is, is great news because hopefully it means that more creators make things like this going forward. I don't have a problem with that. I think that this, if this sets a precedent, that's good news for the future of cinema. I 100% agree. Everything you said is true. But your mileage goes as far as whether or not you're on board with the ideas here in this film. <laughs> and where I kind of, where I was left was, yeah, this is impressive that they did this. And yeah, this is this is cool. And like, there's some things that I like here. But for everything that I liked there, there was something I absolutely did not like and didn't enjoy watching. And so much of that movie for me was just like, okay, all right. Okay, sure. That was basically my reaction to everything. I was like, all right. It's just not my, I don't know, just not my style or my vibe or something like that. And just, I did not click with anything that this movie was trying to do. I think I got the themes of it and I understand why they resonated with so many people. And on paper, it should have worked. But in practice, for me, it just didn't stick. But like I said, everything you said about it is correct. And I do hope that this thing gets a lot like applauded with and gets lauded with awards and just just pour the awards on it because more things like this need to exist. I 100% agree. Did I have fun watching it? No, but I'm glad (laughs) so many people liked it that it's as successful as it is. I think that, yeah, I 100% understand why this is your number one movie of the year. And I get it. And I'm all for it. Uh, I just wish that it was more my thing and it just didn't click with me. And that's okay because, I mean, based on both of these lists, I think we know what the media boat film (laughs) is. 
We can each have our own number ones. We can yeah. each have our own thing that we absolutely love and adore and is our own special like <laughs> film of the year. But I think we have a e- pretty oh. easy consensus here. Oh, yeah. We can all enjoy the wonders of Glass Onion. I think Ryan Johnson did it again for us. We, there's a reason why we like Knives Out so much. And he shows all of that again here in Glass Onion. It was a great, great little puzzle box of a movie that we both really enjoyed for about the same reasons. I mean, yeah, but just just keep doing it, Ryan, because we love them and yep. we want to see more of them. Just keep getting great performances out of the cavalcade of random actors that you get in each one of these. They're all his friends. We know that. <laughs> yeah. And like, keep keep getting your friends. Uh, a Twitter thing was going along around yesterday where people were saying, cast four people to be in your like dream cast for the next Knives Out. <laughs> um, and so Christine and I did ours. Uh, I think mine, my four were, I think my four were um, Michael B. Jordan, Zendaya, Michael Sarah, and Jane Krakowski. <laughs> and then I think Christy said uh, Richard Kind, um, uh, Jason Schwartzman, Colin Firth, and um, who was her fourth? Oh, and Christine Baranski. <laughs> okay. Do you have a do you have a four off the top of your head? Uh Nicole Kidman. Okay. <laughs> um Robert Pattinson. Okay, all right. Uh give me a Hugh Jackman. Give me Hugh Jackman in there. Oh, all right, all right. And then Matthew McConaughey. Wow, what a cast. Ridiculous. So yeah, it's just a fun thought experiment. Yes, yeah. please keep letting Netflix keep please keep, please keep getting uh, giving Ryan Johnson money and creative freedom to make these yeah, because create more puzzle boxes for us to watch and enjoy. They're great. We love them. Yes, Glass Onion, Media Bow Podcast Film of the Year. Yes. But there are other stuff that we watched because while you did also did watch everything ever all at once, you also watched another film in the theaters that's not on your list. Yeah, I'll just quickly go through uh, other things uh, from the year. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned Bros. I saw Mm -hmm. Bros. That's the Billy Eichner rom-com. Good for what it was. I think better than it needed to be and proves that um, I think mainstream uh, rom-coms with gay characters absolutely works and more people need to see them them because Bros totally tanked. Uh, Let's see. Going real quick down this list... um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus, I did not like, but you enjoyed Golden more than I did. Golden Globe winners. Yep. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah, didn't work for me, but I... Wait, no, Golden get... Globe? Emmy. Emmy winners. Emmy, Emmy winners. Emmy winners. Uh, yeah, didn't work for me, but I get why people liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, on this list, I'm trying to see if there was anything else I could probably I come saw. up with the bottom five, too, looking at this list. Yeah, absolutely. Um other than that, this year, oh, the yeah, Selena every- Gomez documentary, My Mind and Me, I had a good time with that. Um, and Disenchanted, I did not like. Yeah, I think that's all I saw. Yeah. Uh, let's see, if I had to make a bottom five, I'd <laughs> go with uh, Pinocchio. Oof. The Disney Plus, the we want to make sure. Version. Not the recently released Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Uh, DC League of Super Pets. Oof. Um, senior year 
on Netflix. <laughs> right. Uh, Me Time was probably my number one. So, so uh, <laughs> put in uh, Cheaper by the Dozen and then Me Time. Oof. Oh, yikes. Yeah, I watched some stinkers this year. But I also watched a bunch of good stuff, like The Batman with Robert mm-hmm. Pattinson earlier this year. Um, the Marvel stuff, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. And Thor. Thor. Um, not Ragnarok. Um, Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. As well as Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, also watched some anime films of Bell, which I thought was going to make my list. That's technically my number six film, as well as Dragon Ball Super, uh, superheroes with the return of just the nostalgic joy and how they're able to like progress that story. Um, as you mentioned, weird, the Aldekovich story. And then Banshees of Insurance, I liked uh, story-wise, same with A Christmas Story Christmas, but A Christmas Story Christmas is probably more deal with the nostalgia that I have for it. And then Avatar, The Way of Water, as mentioned, crossed a billion dollars. Loved everything about it visually. I just think the story is just uh, not as deep as the ocean they swim in. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely could have done more uh, with the story, but it does actually lend itself and set itself for multiple sequels which is where they're gonna go with this right and do expect more sequels for it do expect it to look amazing <laughs> and maybe one of them will eventually end up on my top end of the year list maybe but someday maybe someday but it's got to get over the visually stunning aspect of it it has to have <laughs> a good story too all right, well, um, cool. That uh, probably is the uh, is all the honorable mentions we wanted to mention. Oh, real quickly, don't worry, darling. Saw it. Oh, yeah. I was, eh. Eh. Strange World, also. Lightyear. Lightyear. Uh, a lot of middling movies this middling year. Middling movies. Think. Beast. Beast. Yes, middling movies. Speaking of middling yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, anyways, uh, that'll do here. it. Yeah, that'll do it, I think, for this. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for joining us for all four segments of our year-end wrap-up. You now know our favorite things of the year of 2022. So thank you for joining us for this adventure. But stay tuned. Next Saturday on the 31st, we won't just have a regular episode of the show, but we will also have a year-end wrap-up special fifth episode where we talk about other things outside of entertainment that happened over the course of the year, as well as a look forward, a peek into our crystal ball about what 2023 might have to offer. Yeah, I mean, it's, we, we got everything done. We did yeah, it. We did this it. This year is official, well, almost officially wrapped up because we yeah. have one more regular episode and then we wrap it up on New Year's Eve. Yes. It's just, that's just how the calendar lines up this year. Just turns out. And then we can go right into a new season. Yeah. So stay tuned for that this coming Saturday. In the meantime, where can you find us, you ask? I'm glad you asked. If you want to listen to these audio podcasts as well as audio versions of all of our podcasts, you can do so on podcast services like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can look us up at MediaBoat Podcast and find these episodes, these bonus episodes, and our regular ones on our feed. If you want to watch video versions of our regular podcast, you can do that on YouTube, youtube.com slash 
or not slash just search media boat podcast on youtube.com and you'll find our channel like subscribe click the bell for notifications when we go live you can also find us on social media networks like twitter where we're at media cast facebook search media boat podcast find us there and if you want to complain about our lists or anything in general or ask us questions that we might read on a regular show email us Podcast at gmail.com is that email address. All right. We have our packages all neatly wrapped up. So it's time to see you next time. Yep. We'll be back next time for more news, more thoughts, more of us. Unless yep. uh, those are to the future, in which case yep. all of that is available to you <gasps> right now. Okay. Bye. Bye.